0: welcome to sword play nick the last time we recorded an after hours episode it was so
1: controversial it didn't even get published that's right alex but like the bible says go and do likewise i don't think that's what that means uh, sure i'm well no. anyway that's that's why Oh, my well it's after hours who cares <laughs> <laughs> Yes, everybody welcome. This is Sword Play Offering a double-edged perspective on scripture. We are your hosts. I am Nick Perez, preaching minister for the Davis Park Church of Christ in Modesto, California. I'm Alex Flood. I'm an evangelist for the Lake Phelan Church of Christ in St. Paul, Minnesota. As announced, this is an after-hours episode. And the so the genesis of these episodes is that um After we get done with the shows that we record, we typically just hang out for, uh, I don't know, it just depends, I guess, Uh, an hour, hour and a half, and we, we talk about everything under the sun. And so we've done this a couple times, and so here we go again, everything on the table. That's right. This is after hours 3.1. There was a three
0: and I trashed it because it was just Nick berating me for an hour and a half. And so I just Brutal. decided that was, <laughs> that, not that was That's not the no way I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Wait, so. But the timing so, is, this is good, right? Because the election, right, is, election's been, you know, been since November, but now we have, there was the, the January 6th date with the, uh, electoral votes being confirmed and then there was the january 20th date with the inauguration right so i mean joe biden he he is the president right he's been sworn in president trump is now ex-president trump right and so i just feel like there's some decompression time that we could take here with our audience what do you think nick
1: Uh, I think so. I do want to go back, though. I mean, you you still have that third After Hours episode somewhere saved, right? Please tell me you do. I do. Okay. I do. You'll never find it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: The the lost episode. (laughs) That's right. To be
1: burned upon my death. (laughs) It's like Homer Haley. Homer Haley had a... Uh, what, what book was that? He wrote a book. Um, I think it was, uh, you know what? I think it was about, uh, marriage and divorce and remarriage and, and Homer Haley, um, did kind of belong to the, uh, non-institutional branch of churches of Christ, you know, don't eat, uh, on the property and, uh, cause don't you have homes to eat in and, um, you know no you don't you don't support uh children's homes and things like that Be, out of the church fund you if you want to do it as an individual that's fine but uh but they you know they they have some pretty conservative views when it comes to marriage divorce remarriage and uh Homer Haley his book uh as i understand it it didn't uh it didn't track with the non-institutional view and so he had it published posthumously after oh, uh, after he died is when he, it got published and uh, yeah. So you know, after well, you're you dead, think? I'll track down that episode and <laughs> I should delete it today just in case. No. <laughs> <Come on.
0: laughs> so what do you what do you think about that though? Is that a sad commentary on oh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean why do we do this to each other? Why do we make each other so intimidated that
1: we would put our research off until after we die to be published? I think you're uh, you're in a better position because you don't want to publish that third After Hours episode to talk about this. <laughs> um, well,
0: I felt that wasn't very even-handed, and so.
1: Oh, no, well, my apologies.
0: I gave you softballs, sir. <laughs> I brought interesting topics
1: up. I Anyone? thought my topics were interesting too, but we we have different opinions of what in, interesting is. I guess. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so yeah, that um, why do why do we do that? Uh, it's because we think we're right. Uh, what is it? What does it feel like to be wrong? We uh, we know what it feels like when we realize we're wrong, but until it's pointed out that and you make that realization that you are wrong what does it feel like to be wrong it feels a lot like being right right <laughs> so <laughs> we think we're right um and and someone actually wrote a book about this it's called being wrong i can't think of the author's name now but that's that's the case they they make is that um uh you know you're un, until you until you come to that realization that you're wrong and, and and with it comes, you know, oh, man, you know, I can't believe I thought that or whatever. Until that moment, you think you're right. And so being wrong feels a lot like being right. Um, someone posed it to me like this also is um, how um, how wrong do you have to be in order to be an error? Right. The answer is any, Right. And so, what are we wrong about? What what are we off about? And since we are not all knowing and omniscient, we're wrong about something. And and it may be that we don't realize we're wrong until we stand in the glorious presence of Christ, and uh, and then we realize how foolish we had been. Um, so, as Christians, then, what about the opposite? How much knowledge uh,
0: or or doctrinal um, you know, correction do we have
1: to have in order to be in God's good graces? I think there are—so the main and the plane, right? That's kind of how your boy Hank Hanegraaff would classify it, right? There are things in Scripture that are non-negotiable. Uh, I think of Ephesians 4, where you have the seven ones there. Um, I think of what John writes in, in his epistles, that there are certain—you have to get the incarnation right— so, Jesus really was 100% fully human, and he was 100% fully God. And that is non negotiable. And in fact, if you start compromising on that, um, that's, that's heresy. That is. So what if. Yeah.
0: What if people don't know that and they were taught differently?
1: Uh, they need to be untaught. <laughs> they need to hear the truth. <laughs> what if they're not untaught? Uh, for example. Are you like like a like a Jehovah's Witness person?
0: Yeah, I mean, who, anybody who is, we disagree is, with, anybody
1: we disagree with, right?
0: Any any other denomination or Orthodox or Catholic or whatever, you know. The question is, you know, what what is God going to judge us off of? What is His judgment going to be based off of? Like, we could say His Word, but that, that just it's another way of saying what we've already been saying. Like, well, how much of the Word do we have to correctly understand? in order to be in truth, and how much of it do we have to misunderstand in order to be in error? And so, I, I go back to that the idea that God will judge us based off of what we knew and what we did with what we knew. And also, not to mention that I think there's a whole lot of stuff that happens after we die as well, but before the resurrection. But that's thats my question, is, is how do we... should Should there be like you have your lines, right? That you're you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with those lines, right? You're seven, the seven ones in Ephesians four. Um, you know, you mentioned the incarnation. Uh, you know, some people would throw in there like uh, the the orthodox acceptance of like the Trinity or whatever. You know, whatever thing, what canon you're using, or all these different lines. You know, how do we know that we're on the right side of the line? Because, like you said what it feels like to be wrong is a whole lot like it feels like to be right. So uh, I don't know if you have an answer for that, but that's, that's what I'm
1: angling for. What do you think? It's no, it's a good question. But again, I go back to that. There are, there are main and plain things. Um, the things that are written are written in such a way that we can understand them. Uh, and um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not uh uh, like the mystery religions right This is Paul in Ephesians 3 now uh, and so there again there are things based on based on what so so let me circle back to I, I brought up the illustration uh, of a Jehovah's witness person. they get Jesus wrong and I don't I don't read anywhere in the New Testament where we get to compromise. On Jesus and say, "Oh yeah, he's a created being. This is the problem I have with Origen, by the way, the early church writer. I mean, he's, he's for me, that guy's uh, like barely orthodox, if we can even call it that, because he taught a tiered uh, Godhead that the Father was greater than the Son, who was greater than the spirit. I don't get that in the New Testament. And so uh, you know that, that eventually gives birth because he was he was uh he was down in Alexandria until they exiled him and he went up to Caesarea but it's Alexandria that births arianism and Arius who I mean that's he's the forerunner to full-blown what becomes eventually for us Jehovah's witnesses right you have some guys that pop up in like the what is it like the 16th 17th century over in England but I mean Arius and Arius was condemned outright as a heretic for his view of uh, Christ, so there again, there there are things, uh, big things that that seem to be. We have to get those right, and um, I mean, we can. So we what can if talk. so so what if somebody you call a Christian
0: brother? What if he says, you know what, it does kind of look like the spirit submits to the Son and the Son submits to the Father. What what then is that person now lost?
1: So while there is um, what is the, what is the technical term? There, there is in Scripture you do see where, yeah, the son uh, does uh, the will of the Father, and then the Spirit is sent by the Father and the son. Uh, there, there, there does seem to be a um, somewhat of a chain of command, and yet you never get the impression that there's a subordination, of these these uh, persons of the Godhead, uh, such to the point that they cease to be of the essence, the same essence, right? And that's that's the crucial distinct, uh, distinction. Distinction. Uh, Arius, Arius was saying that no, the um, the Son is not of the same essence. Did Origin uh, say that though? He had a graded. He definitely had a graded trinity.
0: Okay, but did he say the the whole essence thing that you're saying? Did Origin say that?
1: Not that. Uh, not that comes to mind off the top of my head. Okay, so
0: that's what I'm saying. You know, we have these uh, distinctions, and these distinctions. You know, you and I could talk about this all day long, and we would probably agree. Like these distinctions do make a difference. Like it does matter. Like there are certain things that trickle down. But what I'm saying is, so, you you know, your example started with a Jehovah's Witness, right? So Jehovah's Witness, you and I don't agree with Jehovah's Witnesses, but you have somebody, many people who grew up in a Jehovah's Witness, they don't become, you know, you know full-time scholars like you and I, um, and they read their Bible, but they can't help but to see their Bible in the way in which it's been presented to them, right? And so they have their teachers and their preachers and their books and their publishers that they all... Uh, you know, stick to because it's part of their community, it's part of their culture and so they probably don't uh, you know reach far outside of their own published works. A lot of groups are like that actually. so they're not being exposed to differing points of view or when they are it's like strawman arguments that like don't actually bring about a whole lot of thinking. So you know I guess the the question is so how much, how much wrong of that Jehovah's Witness, who probably agrees with us on a great many of things, how much wrong do they have to be wrong uh, in order for us to say that, you know, you're, you're not saved, right? You're not, a, you're, not a, you're not a believing Christian. You're not really, truly a believer. And I, what I'm saying is that you want my answer. My answer is I think most of the time we really can't. We really don't know. We really can't know. And so I think we have a responsibility to do what we can do with what we know. So if we think they're they're wrong about something, then we have a responsibility to have that conversation with them. But I think at the end of the day, God judges people uh, based on what they did and what they, what they knew and what they did with what they knew. And so uh, I find that to be uh, much, much easier to hold on to as far as like a practical, like part of my worldview – as opposed to, man, what I just see is the fool's errand of trying to draw all these lines of what parts you have to be right on and what parts you have to be wrong on, to be a Christian when it, uh, a great many of things maybe perhaps
1: this Christian and I would agree upon. So I concur with you that the judge of all the earth will do right, that uh, when it's all said and done, ultimately any of us are in, the hands of a merciful and just God. However, at the same time, we have to operate on what we know. And what we know, based on Scripture, is there is an orthodox position concerning the humanity and deity of Christ, which is opposed to the Jehovah's Witnesses' uh, view of the Son. And I think part of this this discussion also has kind of gone far afield from where we started, which was... Um, the 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 distinction and and so maybe this is really what we're after the distinction between the essentials versus the non essentials right uh-huh. what what is it that comes under the category of Romans fourteen and and the first part of chapter fifteen I don't think the deity and the humanity of Christ falls under Romans fourteen <laughs> right uh, I don't think those seven ones that Paul enumerates in Ephesians four fall under that category either but Uh, How about eating in our homes, eating in our homes versus eating at the church building? Yeah, I that's that sounds like a Romans fourteen thing. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I just
0: my point was to illustrate that we have these broad things that we say like the deity and humanity of Jesus, and yet we know that the deity and the humanity of Jesus can and has been uh, taught with nuances that we would say, ah, hold on a second, right? So you would have people who say, he's a deity, but here's the nuances to that deity. He's human, but here's the nuances to that humanity. And so, you know, you and I, we're we're scholars, we're we're teachers and preachers uh, in the church. And so, you know, you and I have the time to go through that stuff and and to keep learning and and teaching and figuring this stuff out. But most people don't have that same amount of time. There are a great number of things that I know about the Bible and about the history of the church and the history of theology, um, that I would never have known by now, at least were I in a full time secular job, right? Raising my family, taking care of my kids, uh, Going to church, it would be, you know, it would be hard enough just to get the family to church, right? Once you once you get those kiddos along, <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so, so so I sympathize with the Christian who is sitting in um, the pews of a denomination or some other you know sect of Christianity who is working a full time job, taking care of their family, trying to do the best they can with what they. What they know and where they are and what they have, I just say my my bottom line is I sympathize with them. I don't expect them to know what I know. Um, and when I run into that person, I I try to speak the truth to them in love and to have that conversation and to see if they're if they're willing to take a look at some things. But it's uh it's not my expectation that that everybody is going to know as much as I know. And I don't even know as much as there is to know, right? I have a whole lifetime, both of us do, of learning and studying left. And that's our full-time job. (laughs) So so I'm just saying I sympathize with the average Christian who sees the Bible in the way in which it's been presented to them. And you know as well as I know that all of these different uh, groups of Christianity uh, have people who are on staff full time to present their view of the Bible in a very like organized, logical and attractive way. It doesn't mean they're right. Right. But that's what the majority of those people are, are, are learning from. That's where they're hearing from. So my bottom line is yes, you and I agree that, you know, there's one judge overall. I would bring more detail into that. I I think there is, you know, uh, a time period of, of correction, how that happens. But I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it happens after death before the resurrection. And, uh, and I think, uh, yeah. And I think, I think people just got to do the best they can with what they know. And that's what you and I do. And that's what I expect other people to do. But I do sympathize with the common person not with the same motivation or driver interest that we have as full time Bible scholars and teachers, so that's my that's my that's my rant i don't <laughs> it's after hours I mean I'm allowed to rant so <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm almost out of coffee, and it's only twenty minutes in well, hey, wrongness and orthodoxy right I mean that's that old chestnut that steep mountain. <laughs>
0: Well, Nick, how do you feel about the election being over? I mean, the election was November, right? But the inauguration, how do you feel now that the inauguration has passed? We're we're in day one into the Biden administration. What do you – how do you, as a Christian, as a resident of California, uh, as a, you know, I would say we're politically conservative. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, like a weight has just been lifted off me, and now we can finally – Come together and really unite, right? Because that's really what it's all about—is—is is assimilation. I mean, I mean unity, right? Uh, uh, that soaring rhetoric, right? That's what we've been missing these four years during the Trump administration. Now we got it back with old lunchbox Joe, right? Um, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I'll affirm, as I always do uh, at election time, that whoever got into office, and now we know it, it really is Joe Biden. Uh, he's there because that's who God wants there. Uh, for whatever his his uh, sovereign purposes are, that's who he wants uh, in office. I'm concerned about. Question? Was was that? Go, go ahead and finish. I have a I have a question about that, but go ahead
0: and finish. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well,
1: well, we can circle back to what I was going to say because.
0: Okay, so my question is, and I'm not, I'm you know, it's it's an honest question, right? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to, you know, issue issue a trap or anything.
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Says saying, you,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a little trap, just a little eee. tiny one. Is that? Eh? But uh, here we go. That's right. Uh, my question is okay if the person who is the, you know, president of a, of a democratic Republic, if it's whoever God wants to be in there, right? So how does that work with both free will and voting? Right? So does that mean we drop free will? Like the, the president who we want is not in the office. It's the president who God's wants who's in the office. And so it's, it's not about our free will or do we drop the voting matters? Like, so I'm going to vote, but my vote, doesn't actually count unless it's for the one who God wanted in the office at the end of the day. So to me, I I, I I don't give up the free will part. I'm questionable about the vote part, and I'm questionable about the, well, this must be who God wants in the office part, right? And so it's like, well, maybe it's not who God wants in the office, or maybe it is, and our votes actually don't matter. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, how do you balance those three?
1: Yeah, I don't see them as mutually excu- exclusive. The the divine sovereignty and and uh, the the creaturely well, explain will. explain the
0: harmony of it all to me.
1: So uh, we we do have creaturely will, ah. and at the same time, while we have the intentions whereby we live, move, and have our being. Yeah. God has his intentions. Right. And uh so the kind of the the uh, classic case of this is what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50 when he says uh to his brothers as uh, as he's talking about what they did to him and they uh-huh. wanted they wanted to uh kill him right but, uh the they lord restrained mind, sold him right the lord restrained their evil through Reuben and what Joseph says is you meant it uh you you your intention your intention was for evil but God's intention was for good it's the same event, and at the same time you have the will of the brothers and you also have the will of God in view okay so it, here's the thing with that. Is it saying that
0: it was God's will for Joseph to be sold into slavery, or is it saying that God's will can still be done despite Joseph being sold into slavery, right? So God, like uh spiritual jujitsu, he takes that movement and momentum of
1: wickedness and he flips it back against the forces of darkness, right? Uh, I think it's is, the former. I don't think the I don't think it's I don't think it's God kind of coming along with plan B. Like, I had plan A for Joseph, and I guess that's not going to work out, so I'll do something else. I think I am of the persuasion that God has his uh, his uh, secret will, uh, the decree from eternity, and he accomplishes that perfectly, even in the, I mean, it's, their intentions were outright evil. That's what Joseph says. Yeah. And yet God I guess still accomplishes his sovereign purposes. So I guess that's why I disagree then, because uh,
0: you said, I don't think God has a plan A for Joseph, and so he goes with plan B when, you know, his brothers do the evil deed against him to sell him into slavery. Well, I mean, again, we're talking about free will, right? And so uh, when you say God's plan A for Joseph's life, um that has a certain presuppositional meaning to it. Like you can view that as uh, God's written the script for his life, right? And now we're into like fatalism and predestination. Or you can mean there is in general like God's will for our lives. Like he wants us to be good, holy people uh, who, who listen to him and obey him and worship him. And so it seems to me that that plan of God for someone's life is not down to the minutia, but it is an umbrella which covers them wherever they go, whatever happens to them, whatever circumstances or trials come their way. God will be there with them in that, but it's not his fatal fatalism, uh, minute detailed plan of all these evil things that he knows or willed to happen to you. So I, I don't know I guess maybe that's that's how I think Christians um not how they opt to think but that those are the kinds of things that sort of need to be thought through. So we're talking about Joseph in the Bible um and here we are with these two different paradigms for how we should view God's will on that. I I'm running into the same thing with the the presidential election, right? Like what if the current president or even the last president what if that is not the president that god himself would have chosen what if the president god would have chosen wasn't even on the ballot right so nonetheless does god allow us to do things that he doesn't want us to do and i would say yeah i mean that's that's clear we do things that god doesn't want us to do and so there so are you so there are then... times where god's will is not being done which is why we pray in the lord's prayer uh our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's a prayer that his will would be done on earth but it's a given that it is not being done which is why we want it to be done that's why we pray for it
1: so then you believe in gratuitous evil
0: well, define gratuitous evil. I don't know. What are you throwing these terms out here for? Tell me tell me what you mean by that.
1: <laughs> that there is evil that happens that is outside of the will of God. And that yeah. ultimately that ultimately has no purpose and meaning to it. It has the purpose of whoever committed that evil to do, I
0: mean they'd have their reasons for doing evil, right? When somebody does evil, they
1: have a reason for what they do that's evil. And so, yeah, and the evil pe- and the evil that occurs then really doesn't have any grand meaning or purpose in the grand scheme of things. It's just evil. It is gratuitous. It, it,
0: it has, it has meaning to the person who's committing the evil. Are you saying like God can't do anything with that evil? Like God can't act and react and.
1: Like, that's what you're saying that's what I'm hearing anyway is is that no no I'm people? saying the opposite i'm saying whatever evil is done
0: by the will of the one who does the evil, God can act upon that situation to turn it around for good, but he it was not his will for that evil to occur when evil occurs, it is not the will of God and therefore it is meaningless and purposeless because no it's not meaningless and purposeless it's it's given redemptive, the, the, ah, the
1: pain and the suffering that is it. done
0: is given a redemption when God heals and so that's fixes really what, and forgives. So that's,
1: that's really what Joseph means then when he says in Genesis 50 verse 20 is, is you meant it for evil, but God redeemed it for That's good. right. No, that's, that's not right. what he says though, Alex. That's the But that's problem. what he means. That but is that what, is what it means. That's not what he says
0: though. But it is what it means. And he doesn't say what you're saying either. He doesn't say God predestined and his God's entire intention. life and that there was, was a plan God's A. God's
1: intention that this happened, <laughs> Alex. That's exactly what he says. No, it's not. You're right. He says God intended it for good. You still there? Yeah. okay. Okay. <laughs> So I think by the way, this is why I we think, didn't air the third episode was the discussion that's over true. free will. <laughs> that's true. I don't know how far you want to go down this, because. <laughs> so I think
0: as a Christian, I think it's this is this is my my opinion and theological perspective. Obviously we're not going to share this perspective, but I'm putting it out there. If you're a Christian and you say the president is who God wanted to be president then I think you need to really adjust your definition of free will or your value of what your vote was. On
1: the contrary, Alex, God raises up and he brings down kings. He raises up kings, he, he brings down kings. This is Daniel. This is Daniel 2. This is Daniel 4. This is every – the whole point of So is of the Daniel. president king – those are monarchies, right? Those are monarchies. It's not democratic republics, right? There's nobody so wondering if so their vote saying, counted in ancient saying, Babylon. You're saying that in a particular system – that's the only way we could actually say that god does any of that it doesn't it's not a universal principle despite the fact that they are stated as universal principles
0: i yeah exactly i am saying that when you when you have god raising up nations and crumbling nations yeah that's a whole nation that's the direction a nation goes for better or for worse it's i think that's hermeneutical god has his hand fallacy. In that. and so what about what about the 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 man who's in charge for four years who's not even really in charge he's in one one third of the the government power structure right it's true so he's he's in the temporary office with a limited amount of power uh, you know it, how far do we apply this then does that mean like every congressman who is in the Congress and then the Senate like those people are sitting in their seats because that's who God wants to be sitting in that seat so I just think that's well, let me ask That's, you this: That
1: doesn't make any sense. Let me ask you this: uh, The emperor, when Christ was alive, was he there because God wanted him there? I think the office was
0: there. I think the exact person okay. who. Was what about in the what seat about what emperor. about
1: Herod? Was Herod there because God wanted him there? Was Pilate was Pilate there because God wanted him there? I don't know. Did people get to vote for Herod or Caesar or Pilate? And yet they are still these governing authorities. Whatever governing authorities exist are only because God brings them about. They are ordained that way. This is Romans 13. I
0: agree that what Romans 13 is about the office of the authority. I agree that the authority exists by the will of God. I disagree that the person who fills that authority is always by the will of God.
1: So Nero, Nero was not there by the will of God.
0: The authority of Nero was there by the will of God. He on his own free will chose to abuse that authority to commit horrible acts of evil that
1: was not the will of God. So when Paul says that we are to pray for kings and those in high positions, what he really means is we're only supposed to pray for the office.
0: We pray those people we're in those positions have a free will to do things that are good or bad, and so we pray so that they will be moved to do what is good, but they still have pray, the choice to do, do what's good. Do we pray bad. for
1: the person or the office? Both. How, why would why would I pray for the person if they're not supposed, if they're not the, really the person that God intended them to, to be there? Because they still have a free will, and we want them to use it for good. Yeah. this is I, nah. I this is nah. <laughs> I don't think this is a <laughs> distinction that Scripture makes. I think these are these are invented um, distinctions in order to, by the way, support a no, uh, a philosophical presupposition a concerning free will.
0: You're making a complete straw man.
1: I don't think so. Go ahead, kill your straw man. Okay, let's. Do you want to go down the free will road again? (laughs) Because otherwise, air the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Air the episode. Well, what are we going to talk about now? So you've. What do you you want to talk about now, my favorite color? What was the. What movie is that? (laughs) You remember that movie? (laughs) No, what is it?
0: a few good men (laughs) oh jack nicholson (laughs) i will say so um my kids and i we've been watching the star wars movies and uh and so we were going through you know an order like episode one two three and so we got to episode three and um you know anakin turns to the dark side and my my son is very upset about that and uh (laughs) he, Mm. he uh Cuts off Mace Windu's hand, and Mace Windu gets uh, thrown out the building through the lightning force of uh, Chancellor Palpatine. And, and of course, you know, now he's he's unlimited Darth Sidious.
1: power. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's this scene that happens. And so we just watched this like last week, is, uh, it was, uh, I don't know, just it was memorable, right? So there's this scene where Mace Windu's gone, he, uh, you know, Darth Sidious, Chancellor Palpatine, he's sitting there. Anakin is like, You're my master now. And Darth Sidious goes, Once more, a Sith will rule the galaxy, and we shall have peace. That's
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. That's right. If that's what people want, if people want peace, Uh, The dark side has no problem giving it to you. As long as you get it the way they give it to you. It's like uh, the peace of Rome, right? The world had peace under the Roman Empire. Pax Romana. But was it the peace of Christ? No. Because Jesus says the peace I give to you is not the same that the world gives. Right? So, what kind of peace is the world looking for? And why is the world looking for that peace from government leaders?
1: Introspective questions. It's not my turn. Next turn. <laughs> oh, did I have a turn to begin with? Is it finally my turn after 36 minutes?
0: <laughs> I think you had a turn somewhere in there.
1: Uh, I don't remember asking a question. We started off on wrongness and...
0: Are we making a list?
1: Orthodoxy. We So we went to the Biden presidency, which then spun out to divine sovereignty slash free will... Star Wars. <laughs> Slash Star Wars.
0: Was Star Wars a... Act, was actually a prediction of the future? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was just based off of past events. Things
1: are cyclical sometimes. So... Oh, I know. You, okay, here we go. Okay, what um, do you want to talk about? <clears throat> now that... now that. Uh, beijing biden's in office we can finally do something about what's going on in china um have you so there was an article that was published by the guardian um i I don't know if you've seen it it's called uh our souls are dead and it's a it's a firsthand account of a woman who went to uh she 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 was a chinese citizen and then they moved and went ended up uh, her family ended up in france She gets a call out of the blue from some uh, uh, Chinese representative saying, hey, you got to come back. You're getting close to retirement age, and we need you to sign some papers. Well, uh, power of attorney. They said, no, you have to do it. So she comes back. They end up arresting her uh, and imprisoning her uh, wrongly for two years and she goes to one of the quote-unquote re-education camps there in china and it is horrifying uh the stuff that was done to her um chained to her bed for weeks on end and then when she finally does get to go out it's all to go for like 11 hours of instruction where they're jamming the state propaganda down her throat and uh two years of this man she's just she's going it, it's it's maddening and it's it's soul crushing and then after two years she finally gets a, a day in court and they're like oh yeah you can go but um
0: so is this all a mistake or is there some that she have like some sort of political outspokenness that they wanted to crush
1: she she was a uyghur muslim Ah, and yeah yeah, yeah. uh she's she still doesn't know exactly how many other women were in that facility with her. She thinks uh, a guess would be like 200 other women. This is— You know the Uyghur women are being forcefully sterilized in China, right? She was sterilized in, yeah. in that quote-unquote re-education camp, right? She right. was—they were telling her, <laughs> oh, no, uh, we're giving you, you a—ready? We're giving you a vaccine, <laughs> we're vaccinating you. Of course, they sterilized her. <clears throat> Medically sterilized, right, which you know, don't even get a start about vaccines, right, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know I, I read that article and I thought, um, you know, because uh, I mean that's that's one of the things that is kind of looming here in america according to you know folks is uh we are having liberties eroded at a breaknecking pace right and the erosion of liberties that is a that is a step toward that kind of government coercion uh people being deplatformed even depersoned on social media and, and, you know, who do we blame? Do we blame the, the social media folks, uh, big tech and all that? Or do we blame the government because they're not stepping in and regulating this stuff? Or, or is it that these the the government is in bed with big tech? and? Uh, but I read that account, and it was just – on the one hand, it was her- – and it's, it's part of a book, by the way. Um, it was just like uh, an, these excerpts from the book that she's written. I'm not sure when it will hit the bookshelves, but um, – uh, it's that's terrifying to live under that kind of tyrannical regime. And I actually talked about this last night during my Wednesday night Bible class. Um, Abore what is evil, cling to what is good. And that, that level of tyranny uh, is evil. That is evil, what they did to her uh, in forcibly sterilizing her, in uh, wrongfully imprisoning her uh they would uh they forced her and others the others with her to renounce uh their faith uh if if you even like closed your eyes like they, you're exhausted but if you even close your eyes during one of those re-education sessions it brought with it a beating they you're praying stop praying and you know you were taken out and it's just it's just awful stuff going on in China yeah and uh and hopefully, now that we've got Biden and he wants to unify everything, hopefully he can finally do something about what's going on in China. He's got real strong ties to China, you know? Yeah. So maybe he can leverage those in order to, to do some good over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say with a straight face, but... Uh,
0: this To be fair, this has been happening for a long time. It's right? true. The persecution true. of the Uyghurs didn't start last month it started years ago years ago many years ago and the including the persecution of the underground church in China right and so there's the there's the church that can be visible when you use the state approved bible but there's the underground church that meets and that has been under persecution for a long time for for decades and so yeah Christians have been persecuted in China for a long time. The Uyghurs have been persecuted in China for a long time. They're getting it the worst right now, probably. Uh, I have heard stories of uh, just pastors, Christian pastors, just going missing. And of course, this happens in the Uyghur Muslim community all the time. They just come and take their kids, they take the women, they sterilize them forcibly. Uh, it's really, it's, 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 um, it's really. It reminds me of of what happened to the Jews under Nazi Germany. Uh, it's it's evil. It's terrible. It's awful. Um, and you know, question is, why didn't Trump do anything about it as well, right? And before him, why didn't Obama do anything about it, right? So where 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 are the actions? Where are the voices of uh, the Congress on on this kind of thing? Uh, It was all about the economy. It was all about making deals and getting uh, fair trade surpluses. It's like, well, what about the, the persecution of these people? That's been happening under how many presidential administrations now? And so, yeah, no, I don't have any hope that this administration will do anything more or less than the last administration or the administration before that or before that or before that. So, yeah, this is... This is a pretty terrible, evil thing, and that, I mean, just shows you what kind of world we're living in. By the way, I I love the Chinese people. I do not love the Chinese government. I think the Chinese government's terrible. There, in fact, there was a video I saw one time of a Chinese guy who was an archaeologist, and he um, was, you know, kind of stepping out and, and, and being bold in his opinion concerning uh, evolution why he doesn't think archaeology or the... Um, or the fossil record supports evolution. And he said in America, you can question the government, but you can't question evolution in China. You can question evolution, but you can't question the government. (laughs) He's, uh, you know, I was like, well, that's very interesting. Right. And so uh, over there, man, pretty, pretty rough stuff, pretty rough stuff. So, uh, Probably new knowledge to most people. What do you think? You think this I, yeah, I, in,
1: I invite our listeners. I didn't even know to, who the
0: Uyghurs were until like a year ago.
1: Yeah, Google. Our souls are dead. That's the title of the article, and uh, <clears throat> published by the Guardian. It's a long read, but um, it, it's a it is a moving firsthand account of what uh, this woman endured when she was wrongfully imprisoned, and uh, and it's it's. It's the account of someone living. They weren't even living under the tyranny. They it, they they had to reach out to her when she was living in France and said, "Hey, come back." And it was under these uh, uh, false pretenses, exactly that she's she's brought over there. So, <clears throat> hmm.
0: Well, this is. A- very good, good theme of depression, depressing topics that we've uh, been talking about here. What else can we talk about? Hmm. Yeah, sober that
1: up real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, might as well throw out human trafficking there. What, what do you think about that, Nick? I am against it. Yeah, me too. All
1: right, what else? <clears throat> hmm.
0: Did you have a question? You, did you, you were just kind of throwing it out there, right?
1: Yep, yeah, just, uh, just another thing I saw.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh what what would you advise
0: uh for the Christian you know listener, listeners of our podcast? let's say that you know they're walking away from this um you know this dog and pony show we call politics and um, and they're saying, okay, you know that show's over. you know what's next? What do we do next, right? Because we're still, I guess under like pandemic. I don't know. Are we still under a pandemic? Let's say we are. We're under a pandemic. We have, uh, you know, still measures that we have to follow uh, by government order. Um, and so are there any practical things do you think people could do to sort of, um, I don't know, give them something to do to direct their energy Towards. They're something useful, something productive. I mean, always – I know we got, we got the, uh, the eternal commands for spiritual discipline, right? We have our prayers and
1: our scripture and our fellowship with each other. I would, I would remind uh, our audience that um, no matter who is in power uh, in Washington – Christ is still on the throne. Um, it's true. Al- Alex and I we, we'll we'll disagree about I guess the uh, uh, the means whereby these governing th- these these officials the, the people are in power. We, you know we'll we'll disagree about that, but we agree Christ is on the throne and it's true. Uh, your God reigns, uh, my siblings, um, and so uh, that that. Needs to be the reminder that uh, you know, no matter no matter what's happening. I'm my concern was with um, you know the kind of the all the all the executive orders that were signed yesterday, uh, and in particular concerning masks on federal property and stuff like that. Um, that is um, that is disturbing. That the the one third. Of our government, uh, the one the 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 executive branch has that kind of power to just kind of sign these executive orders. I I don't I don't think that's what the the founding fathers envisioned when they wrote up the constitution. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly confident they didn't have that in mind. Uh, so that is that is perturbing uh, that uh, we kind of have this uh, overreach with the executive branch. And, you know, okay, well, but he's only undoing what Trump signed in. Okay, that's – I don't think it's good when either side of the aisle does that kind of stuff. That's why we need the legislative branch that is supposed to write the laws, and, um, and then the executive branch signs those into, uh, into effect. So that's so the way our, our Constitution has it. That's the way uh, our Democratic Republic is supposed to function
0: so we you you gave people the perspective to start from god still on his throne yes we agree christ reigns what are some things that you think people can do you know people people want to do something uh what do you think would be a a productive way to spend one's time and energies outside of you know earning a living for your family so
1: (laughs) right we still have the gospel Right, the gospel hasn't been rescinded. Right, there wasn't an executive order that signed that out of effect. <laughs> so, and uh, the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation uh, for all who believe, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Uh, and so, we can still continue to share the gospel with people. Uh, and um, and so, I I would invite our folks any tips to do for that. that. Beg pardon. Do you have any tips for
0: that? How to how. They might go about doing that.
1: What so one one method I do is I start with a gospel. I start with Mark, and it's it's the shortest gospel. So uh, just start just start walking people through the life of Jesus, because that's really what the gospel is about. Help people fall in love with Jesus and help them to see uh, the the Lord in all of His uh, glory. When he comes and everything he does and his, his the the beauty of his teaching, walk people through Mark. And guess what? You're going to end in Mark 16 with a gospel appeal. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever yeah. does not believe will be condemned. Uh, that is uh, the decision point, right? Uh, if, if they believe that Jesus uh, lived 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, and was raised from the dead, all for them— uh, I don't see any reason why, when he asks them to do something, they would balk at that. Um, so that that's that's one method I use. Walk through the Gospel of Mark with people. What about yeah. you, Alex? What, what do you think? So I wasn't really leaning towards uh, like uh, theological methods. You want to store more toilet paper or something? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: that would be practical, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so, I think it's safe to say that since the outbreak of the of the pandemic and the measures of the government and the whole political, you know, dog and pony show and now we're into the new administration um, there's a lot of I, I feel like uh, you know, time and energy spent on watching that show, right? So, now that that show has kind of you know the series finale has has ended right and so uh you know next 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 season you know stay tuned for more but for now now that we're decompressing what are some practical ways that we can redirect the time and the energy that we put into stuff like that into a practical way and so i i i take it that you were saying like you know do bible studies with people right find ways to share the gospel the practical advice that i would give the people is to have those bible studies in your home and uh as far as meeting people you know depending on the state that you live in and the amount of contact you come with within people um i would start with uh, people that you already know and that you have a have a relationship with or, or an acquaintance with and um maybe it won't start out as a bible study maybe you could spend some extra time having people over for dinner. Hospitality is a great practical way of, I think, showing people the love of Christ. It's very creative as well. You're making food. You're making them feel at home. You're hosting them. Uh, I think that's very biblical, you know, so we see in the book of Acts. And so maybe we could do that as Christians. We could begin to practice more hospitality. I think if you, you know, even as people become less wary of coming in contact with other people, uh, inviting someone to eat dinner with your family, uh, that might be a nice little warm-up, right? Because you're not necessarily inviting them to this huge gathering, right? But they're still coming in contact with you. They're not going to be wearing their mask when they're eating supper with you. So maybe we could focus some of our time and attention to being hospitable and having people over for dinner. And perhaps that environment will spark fruitful conversations about faith and belief in the gospel and the Bible. And if it doesn't, that's okay. It's still good to be hospitable and to share what you have with others. Um, You know, here's another practical thing that people could do. Um, It's winter right now. You could be ordering some seeds to plant a garden, uh, grow lots of vegetables or fruits if your area is is good for for certain kinds of fruits i know raspberries grow like weeds in my backyard and so (laughs) we grow a lot of raspberries um you know maybe think about getting some chickens something like that use uh whatever space that you have to do some more gardening that's a very productive way it's good it's healthy for you um it's a good use of your time and your energy you can learn a lot through it too you know most of the the parables uh, in the Bible are agricultural-centered, and most of the festivals are agricultural-centered in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and so I just mean things like that. Uh, do you have any ideas, Nick, practical things people could do to, to productively use their time and energy now that we, we don't have to look at this uh, dog and pony show anymore?
1: Well, the, the dog and pony show, I'm afraid, will continue uh, just in a different form. Just don't uh, look. <laughs> Stop yeah. looking at it. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's that. Really is uh, good counsel. You could delete your apps, right? You could.
0: So um, maybe you can limit your social media intake by deleting the social media apps on your phone, and just uh, check your social media on your on your uh, computer, on your laptop or your desktop. Uh, just check that you know, every so often. And, uh, and that way you don't have a chance to check it throughout the day, uh, on your phone. And then that will sort of wean you off of the, uh, of the dog and pony show that we've all become addicted to. uh, maybe you could, um, yeah, do start there. Maybe that's a good starting place. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to leave the listener with, uh, Something to do, Nick. <laughs> Something positive. Um, oh, you don't want to mention how the first 40 how? minutes of our po- podcast was, was not very positive. And so I want to end on a positive note. What do you think?
1: You, you don't want to uh, mention that tomorrow marks the 48th anniversary for when Roe v. Wade uh, legalized abortion?
0: <laughs> hey, interesting thing about Roe v. Wade, wasn't the Supreme Court mostly conservative? Didn't they have a conservative majority? when roe v wade was decided i don't recall that, I, yeah, that I, wouldn't surprise me i think that's true uh because the babylon Bee was making fun of it <laughs> so, i think the babylon Bee was saying uh christians praying for a conservative supreme court majority to undo the decision made by a conservative uh, supreme court majority <laughs> so yeah gotta gotta take our eyes off of that show gotta take it off and uh some good practical ways to like start changing the hearts and minds of people. And that's, that's, that's gotta happen. I think, um, in ways where we come in contact with people, like real contact with people. And so, um, but as people are weary of, of coming in contact with each other, let's find ways to, um, bridge that gap. And so, Hey, if you plant a garden, you could use, uh, heirloom seeds and that'll give you more seeds that you can harvest for next year. And then you never have to buy seeds again. And you could plant extras and pots and put them all over the house or stick them on your roof or your balcony, and you can give them away as presents to people. Uh, you could start learning. A lot of people during the lockdown, they learned how to make bread. Isn't that great? I mean, home, nothing beats homemade bread, right? It's got none of that extra stuff added in the grocery store. Hmm.
1: Too, so many, how, too many carbs how, for me. <laughs>
0: how cool would it be? Oh, I love bread. My body just, yeah, I feel like my body was built for bread. And so, how how cool would it be to you know make somebody uh a loaf of bread and then put like a little a scripture reference on there about jesus being the bread of life you know just little little drops here that you can give people as you express gestures of of uh kindness and sharing and love so you know especially even if it doesn't have to be evangelistic you know even believers i think would appreciate something like that um you know what else what else can we do
1: this has been another episode of Home and Garden with your host Alex right.
0: Flood. That's right. <laughs> I think I think a little bit of Home and Garden would be uh, uh, a lot more helpful for people than another uh, episode of The Hill, right? <laughs> or the Left Wing, or whatever, or the Right Wing, whatever that show is called. And so, and so, it, that's that's what we need going forward: um, is more creativity and more beauty. In fact that's that's the theme of our church this year. Uh, we're going through the Psalms and we want people to yeah learn the theology in the Psalms because it is rich and it is it is you know the most quoted book of the Old Testament and the New Testament the Psalms because it has so many messianic uh passages but also there's something about there's something about uh uh, uh poetry songs creative beauty Um, There's something about that that reflects our image of our own creator when we create and we say, this is good, this is beautiful. And there's something touching, I think, that to the human soul, to those who see that and experience that. Um, I think uh, we could use more beauty, more creativity, especially as we – freedom fosters creativity, right? So as we we experience perhaps losses of freedom in our government, let's compensate by – extra expressions of freedom and creativity in the things that we create, whether it be music or art or uh, jewelry or food or um, any any number of things. And let's see if we can put more of that out there and 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 put a label on it say this is this is God, this is godly, this is good because it's godly and it touches you, it's beautiful. Uh, because there's there's a godly part of you that exists it's called your soul and it was it, it may be broken by sin, but it's still there and it still resonates with truth uh even it still still has a dim light that comes through the 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 clouded window but uh I think that's what we're gonna have to do going forward to be more evangelistically um, successful is I think we're gonna have to turn on that side of our brain that is more in tune to the, uh, to the arts and to creativity. Um, because, uh, I, I, you're right. The, the rhetoric is not going to end, right? The The dog pony show is going to keep going. They're going to come up with, with a new conflict and, uh, all of these conflicts, all of these, uh, uh, all the, all of this rhetoric, you can cut through yeah. that. You can cut right through it without words through, beauty in creation and i think that's going to be that's going to be the tool needed for going forward so i'm trying to think of ways to do that audience if you have a way that you think uh, you can do that not only should you do it i want you to share it with us why don't you send it to the podcast at swordplaypodcast at com, and uh, we'll mention it on the air hopefully that can be shared with people and inspire them as well so it doesn't have to be yeah i mean uh, it can be anything right let's say you uh Let's say you're a woodworker. Uh, why don't you make some cutting boards, right? And uh, give them to people as gifts. How often, Nick, do you get a gift that's handmade? Other uh, than your kids, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not very often, right? It's been a while, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a special thing to do. And I think it, uh, it catches people off guard in a good way. And that's what we got to do with the gospels. We got to catch people off guard in a good way.
1: Romans twelve eleven. Do not be slothful in zeal. The a lazy Christian is a contradiction of terms. Yep, we got to do the best
0: we can with what we got, and what we have is more than just knowledge. It's it's creative ability. And I want us to flex that. I want us to flex the creative ability of the church this year. So that's a challenge, I think, to our listeners. It's a challenge I've put here at my church. And um, I think that's uh, fitting for the times that we live in right now. What do you, th- what do you find beautiful, Nick? Are you, I know you're a big reader of books, and we've talked about that before. Uh, is, it, is it a good book that really pulls your heartstrings?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Um, hmm. Like a well-told story? Yeah, well-spun yarn and all that. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, I'm currently reading Dune by Frank Herbert, that old sci-fi classic. Hmm. I bet, well, I mean, fiction on the one hand, but, I mean, I, I read all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I think I mentioned... Uh, Was that the one that didn't get... The show that didn't make it to air? Um, That I finished Reagan's Diaries? The Reagan Diaries a couple weeks ago. Um, Yeah, so, I mean... But, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be contemporary. Here's what's crazy. Like, I'll go back and I'll read, like, um, like Puritan works. And stuff that's, like, 300 years old. And it's tough to read, but it's worth it right there's there are these gems these jewels that i'm able to mine from it so and so i don't know i don't know what uh i guess i never really thought about uh what it is that draws me to whatever i read because i just read so much that (laughs) i just read everything yeah yeah but you've
0: written a book uh and i'm reading it right i've you you've completed it. It's a completed book. It just got it has to be edited, needs to be cleaned up uh here and there with um you know, just grammar stuff and so you've got a few proof proofreaders going through it. But why did you write that book? Was there a goal in mind with that book?
1: Um So yeah, one one way that we can teach is through fiction. I mean, Jesus told stories all the time. They're called parables and they were they, he spun yarns, right? That's, and they still persist even to today. You know, I can talk about the parable of the prodigal son, and immediately we know what that means. Uh, so there are there are ways that you can even teach through fiction, and uh, and and hopefully I've accomplished that in terms of uh, uh, the, the spiritual realm, uh, the reality of the spiritual realm, uh, the deceptiveness of uh of those of those spirits and of ourselves too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh uh spoiler alert, it is a tragedy. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. um uh, there is that but uh but yeah, I mean that's uh, e- even even with that it was uh it's a it's a teaching tool as well. Hopefully. Yeah. And and also a good story hopefully. Hopefully it it does pull folks in.
0: Well, I, I can testify that it is a good story. And, uh, so that's, that's without doubt. And, and I think, uh, being a good storyteller is a beautiful thing. And so, I mean, uh, I, I don't know about you, uh, diligent listener, but I sure would enjoy, uh, perhaps a, a website where I could go to and read short stories by Nick Perez. I think that'd be great. So maybe, a mm-hmm. uh, little, little hint, hint, wink, wink there, Nick, maybe, maybe, uh, that is your, uh, that, creative gift yeah that exists that, by dis, the way <laughs> that needs to be on display you
1: have short stories on the internet uh i've got a couple uh, maybe a few um is it is it like a what is it your website writefictionnow, write fiction now w-r-i-t-e write fiction now dot com. um i've posted uh, a couple few stories i think that i've i've written Um, one, one from when I was in high school and I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, so the, the assign, it was, it was an assignment and this is what's fascinating about this story because, um, and I think I tell it in in the introduction to the actual story. Um, I was in high school. We had to read the book Frankenstein and there were several projects that were attached to our reading Frankenstein. One was we had to make a, a video, uh, (coughs) Uh, we had to adapt part of that story into a video format and our group did that and ours by the way was the best and that is not an exaggeration that's not even my biased opinion that's just stone cold hard facts right (laughs) ours was and I still have a copy of that somewhere and maybe I'll leak it on the internet at some point but um so we had to do that and then we also apparently and I'd forgotten about this until I rediscovered the manuscript under my bed in a box where I keep a bunch of other stuff. And, um, I wrote the sequel to Frankenstein, Frankenstein to Vendetta. <laughs> and, uh, it's, um, it's, so Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is horror, but it's, uh, it's, it's a subtle thing, right? Mine, I went full gore on it <laughs> with the horror. And, uh, it may not be suitable for everybody, but, um, Anybody, anyway, that's that's the Frankenstein. Two Vendetta is on there. Hat tip Mary Shelley, who uh, <laughs> she's been gone over two hundred years or something like that. Or it was yeah. it was it was over two hundred years ago she wrote that and published it. So uh, this
0: is just your writings. I'm looking here. I'm at writefictionnow, Write Fiction Now. W R I T E Fiction Now. Dot WordPress. Dot Com says mm-hmm. uh, Perez Productions Incorporated on the top. That's it. Uh, very nice. Are you really incorporated? That's impressive. I made but, it up. Uh, <laughs> We have cycle of the desert pops up at the top. So that was scrolling a, down. That was
1: a short story I wrote in college in a creative writing class. And then you have as I lay shutting down. That's a, a short in, story I posted ending. on Reddit uh, over a year ago, and it, yeah. it was until until I posted about uh, someone gave me a cache of um, Stephen King novels hardbacks, uh-huh. and I posted that picture in the Stephen King subreddit. And that became the most uh, upvoted thing that I've posted on Reddit, uh, and the second most is that short story. And there are two versions of it. So we, so we got Frankenstein Two Vendetta.
0: That's the story I wrote in high school, uh-huh. the sequel. And then after, and then after that, it says Chapter One, and it just has like a little paragraph. He started slowly with staccato. The,
1: nothing, that was so the the original intent of that website i i started that way back when i was an associate minister in arizona and there was a um there was a a young man in the youth group uh shout out garrett andrews he um he wanted to be a writer and i said we should write something together and so i started that blog page in order to for us to collaborate on something it never happened but that was the first thing i published on it years ago um and uh that that I think is going to find its way into a different short story, maybe not a short story. I'll see how long it goes, but yeah, it's a different story that uh, I've been thinking about for a while about a uh, a uh, time traveling serial killer. Um, but anyway, so there you go, folks.
0: You got some short stories by Nick Perez. Write Fiction Now dot WordPress dot com, and uh, only suggestion is the. Uh, Nick, maybe you could make some pages so this you scroll down forever to get to the next story. Maybe you could make pages like each page for each story. I uh, don't know how to do that, but that's a good uh, idea. <laughs> audience, help him, help Nick out here. Uh, <laughs> Nick needs some web support. Uh, yeah. maybe some art could go along with this—a picture.
1: I don't know. I like illustrations. That real, just uh, sterile white behind it, but yeah, you could have
0: uh, you know all kinds of things. So uh web support for Nick
1: Perez. Uh <laughs> so how do we how do the web support audience members contact you, Nick? Just uh contact the Swordplay podcast on on the website or the the email address. Yeah. Swordplay podcast at gmail dot com dot, dot net. Com.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not dot net. Yeah, swordplay podcast gmail dot com, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well awesome, man. Well, I think this is a great. I encourage you to to keep doing things like this.
1: Yeah, and I've got a bunch of short stories that I've never published anywhere. Yeah. I think I've sent one to you. It was about the the minister that went to the funeral. It was a metal funeral, anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Isn't that in the I thought that was in the Ben Brown book.
1: No, it's not. I didn't I didn't include that. It's a it's its own thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that one. It's a good one. Well,
0: i think that's enough for today you know we're over an hour and so um you know hopefully we've given our audience uh something to something to 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 scream at something to applaud at something to to think at and uh that's what we're here for folks we're here to enter the arena of ideas and to stir one another on to all kinds of good works and so that's uh, right you big heretic
1: just kidding. <laughs> I love you, Nick. Yeah. Hey. I love and appreciate mutual, you, brother. brother. <laughs> feelings are mutual. Love you too, brother. Um, hey, listen, I wish we had some questions to answer from the audience. If you have a question out there, folks, you can text it in to 316-24-SWORD. That's 316-247-9673. And I'm telling you, you start sending questions in, we'll answer them on these after-hour podcasts. Um, and we'll, we'll shout out to you as well. We'll even give you a shout out if you write a review on
0: iTunes. Go to iTunes, write a review, tell us how much you um, love the podcast or hate it, whatever. Just write a review, and we will mention the review. We'll mention your name. We'll say thank you for your time and effort to write a review on iTunes. Appreciate that. As always. Send your questions to swordplaypodcast at gmail.com. I think we're wrapping it up here. Is that right, Nick?
1: So you you didn't want to get to Theories of Atonement? No, not this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe another time. Well, that has been an episode of Swordplay. This is where you get a double-edged perspective on Scripture. See you next time.